0: position in life, depending upon the answer he's going to give you, you would be able to make a prognosis about whether or not that guy was at risk of developing heart disease. I mean, believe it or not, there's a number of people who have heart attacks who have never smoked in their life, they've never abused uh, alcohol, Uh, they have perfectly clean arteries, there are no physical reasons why they would have a heart attack, and yet they did. And what Morris would say is they were simply unhappy within themselves. They just lacked personal contentment. Well, how does that happen, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) DNA research has shown that the double helix strands of the DNA, that those, those DNA double helix strands, they control the health of every single cell in your body. And when you feel fear, frustration, anger, jealousy, or hatred, it causes those DNA strands to contract and shorten. And so your discontentment affects then every single muscle of your heart and your arteries. And if unhappiness, discontent continues, you will develop a chronic shortage of energy, and it will then develop into heart disease. You might think, huh, I know how to beat that. I'm just going to eat well and a lot of antioxidants. That'll cure it. Well, here's the thing. Even if you dose yourself with a lot of antioxidants which, you know, they're they're believed to protect the arteries against these oxygen oxygen radicals, attacks. But the problem is, if you're not contented, if you're struggling with stress, with anger, with hatred, with unforgiveness, with any of these negative emotions, what happens is that the DNA uh, is damaged to the place where it cannot successfully deliver those antioxidants uh, to the arteries. So this causes congestion, high toxicity, and damage to all of the heart tissue cells. So people who have blocked coronary arteries are not just sick in the heart, but they're sick throughout the body. So according to to Dr. Moritz, the most important determinant factor of disease appears to be the inability to live a happy, contented life. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that's the case in every single person, alright? There are physical factors, there are some genetics, I think there's some other things involved. So I don't, think, don't, I don't want you out there, if you suffer a heart attack, be pointing fingers at you and saying, ah, you just weren't happy and contented, you know. So don't take it personal. But... I think it's ironic that contentment can actually be, according to Dr. Moritz, a life or death matter. And that makes Paul's words in the book of Philippians, I think, even more appropriate and important for us today. Turn to Philippians chapter 4 if you have your Bibles or your devices. I'll put it up on the screen for you. And it says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. And then I want to couple that with just Hebrews 13:5. Hebrews 13:5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. First truth I want to share with you from this passage in Philippians and Hebrews. Is that the secret to finding joy in contentment? It's not found in eliminating desire from your life. See, the ancient Greeks sought contentment through Stoicism. And by it, the Stoics meant this state of mind in which you just proposed to eliminate all desire. Because the Stoics believed that contentment did not consist in possessing much, but in wanting little. So if you want to make a man happy, they said, add not to his possessions, but simply take away from his desires. See, the Stoics believed that the only way to contentment was to abolish all desire until a man came to a stage in his life when nothing and no one were essential to him. Epictetus, one of their philosophers, said, begin with a cup or some other household item, and if it breaks, just say, well, I don't care. And then get a horse or a pet dog. and If anything happens to it, just say... Oh, I don't care. And then go on to yourself. And if you're hurt or if you're injured in any way, just say, Oh, I don't care. And then if you do that, if you practice that long enough, if you try hard enough, you will come to a stage in your life where you could watch the nearest and dearest suffer and die And you could say, I don't care. See, the Stoic aim was to abolish every feeling of the human heart. So in order to achieve contentment, the Stoics just abolished all desire. They eliminated all emotion. Love was rooted out of their life, caring about someone, or anything was forbidden. T.R. Glover said, the Stoics made of the heart a desert, and then they had the gall to call it peace. That kind of contentment, people, I can do without. How about you? Can I get an amen? Yeah. I'm sure you're not buying it. I don't want to eliminate all desire from my life. I want my desire just to be in the right place. Where it's going to bring me contentment and not just resignation. And that is what Paul offers. And we're going to see a huge difference between what the Stoics taught and what the Apostle Paul learned. So here's what the Apostle Paul learned... The secret to finding joy in contentment is learning that joy comes from a person, not things. More often than not, the world tends to believe that contentment is something that comes from outside of yourself. Something that usually is beyond your grasp. You know, contentment is it's viewed like uh, some kind of possession that you don't have, or power, or prestige, or honor, or glory of some kind. The secret of Christian contentment is radically different from the thinking of the worldly man. The worldly man says, just get me into the right situation, and then, then I'll be content." But the Christian understands that contentment only comes about as the result of a transformed heart. It's not tied to external circumstances. Holman Bible Dictionary defines biblical contentment as an internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. Let me say that again. Contentment is an internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. However, knowing that fact does not mean that as a child of God you automatically know how to be content in your life. Because it doesn't come Naturally. Contentment, people, has to be learned. Now, when we look at other people from the outside, it might seem like some people are just gifted with peace and contentment. But Paul says, that's not the way it was for me. I had to learn to be content. And the word that's, that's translated learned there, it means learned through experience. Contentment, people, it's not acquired by some holy zap. I wish it was. You know, all you had to do is get tasered by God. All right, and then you got, you know, contentment. Wouldn't that be a lot easier? But it doesn't work that way. Paul said he learned the secret of contentment by those things that happened in daily life. He said in everything that he had endured, all the experiences that he went through, through all of those, God taught him contentment. And the one thing that comes to my mind, the passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And especially verses 9 and 10. This is where Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. Paul didn't like it. He struggled against it. And he says, three times, I poured out my heart to God and I asked for it to be removed. But it wasn't removed. And Paul couldn't reconcile himself to it. He's impatient. He was anxious to to go on preaching. But this thorn in the flesh kept dragging him down. And then he's taught this very important lesson about contentment. When God says, my grace is sufficient for you. We don't know what Paul's thorn was. Some commentaries think it was some kind of a physical malady, probably an eyesight problem, something like that. But he never tells us what it was. We can only speculate. And I don't know what your thorn in the flesh is. But I do know that you have one as well. Or you've had one, at least in the past. Christians, we are not immune to the troubles and the frustrations that life brings. So it can be a pretty hard lesson to accept when God says to you in the middle of that struggle and frustration, what you have is enough. You have everything that you need. My grace is sufficient for you. And I have to say it's a difficult lesson to learn. God says what you have is enough. I think we just naturally kind of buck and resist that concept. I mean, when you wish that you could provide for your children a college education at the college of their choice, no matter where that would be, Princeton, Yale, or Harvard, or MIT, whatever it is, and you don't have the funds to send your kids there, and they have to go to community college and just work their own way through college, and you're frustrated, and you're feeling like a failure as a parent, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's tough. Or when you wish you could have provided a nicer home for your spouse. And your income just didn't allow it. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's hard to take. And when the newest car you own is 15 years old and not all that reliable... God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you accept that? And when your health has deteriorated to the place where... You know, you, you had dreamed about travels and activities when you retired with your spouse. And now you can't go anywhere or do anything because you're tied, you know, because of your medical problems. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's not easy to hear, is it? How do you do it? Good brothers and sisters, we do it the same way that Paul did. Paul had to learn it through experience, and experience teaches us all. Paul found the real meaning of contentment was not found in something, but in someone Real contentment is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.8, you know, Luke read this passage earlier. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things and I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? You know, if Paul would have said, I consider everything a loss, then he would have just been no better than the Stoics. But he didn't stop there. Paul says, I consider everything a loss compared... To the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. True contentment comes from living life and understanding that everything else in this life, people... A home, a college education, a new car, even health. All of that, it pales compared to having that personal relationship to Jesus Christ. That has to be our ultimate goal. Florence Chadwick. Very famous and accomplished swimmer. She was the very first woman who ever swam the English Channel both ways. And in 1952, which is the year I was born, by the way, it was a good year, she attempted to swim from Catalina Island to the California coastline, California shore. So on the day that she set out to do this, the fog was so thick, she could barely even see the boats that were on each side of her. But she swam for 15 hours and finally after 15 hours and not making it, she was so exhausted, she just asked to be taken out of the water. She felt like she was just too exhausted to go on. But when they pulled her into the boat, she found out that the California shore was only a half a mile away. And later she told a reporter. She says, look, I'm not excusing myself. But if I could have just seen land, if I could have just seen that California shore, I know I could have made it. Two months later, she tried again. And that fog rolled in once more. But this time, she didn't give up. And she made it. You know why she made it? Because she burned into her mind a picture of that California shoreline and what it looked like when the boat had let her off and she wasn't going to stop until she reached that goal that was burned into her mind. And she became the first woman to swim and actually broke the record for the fastest time swimming from Catalina Island to the California shore. People, that's exactly what we have to do. We have to continually remind ourselves of the surpassing greatness of Jesus Christ. And of the ultimate reward that is waiting for us. And we've got to burn that vision, that knowledge into our minds. And press on until we take hold of it. And we allow that future prize to be our contentment. And we don't stop. We don't let go. We don't quit until we hear Jesus say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The word content, it means self-sufficiency, independence from all external circumstances. And the idea for the word contentment it actually is the picture of a city that is under siege it's cut off from all outside resources but the people don't worry because they have sufficient resources within the walls to survive So the apostle Paul saying in Philippians that he learned he didn't need Outside things to make him happy. Because he had found within himself this inexhaustible resource for every circumstance and every situation. Paul learned through experience that when he had everything, it didn't add anything to him because it paled in value when compared to Jesus and when Paul had nothing he learned it didn't take anything from him because Jesus had become everything to him world seeks to give us contentment through more possessions god seeks to produce in us contentment Simply by giving us a singularity of desire. The desire for Him. For Jesus. Corey Tin Boom, survivor of Raven's Book Concentration Camp, put it this way. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. All saying i 've learned to be content, but the only reason i 've learned to be content is because of Christ in me. Jesus is all I need, and i 'm just dependent upon him. You know, Philippians 4.13, probably one of the most misquoted, misused scripture by so many people in so many situations, especially athletic contests. You know, some guy scores five touchdowns and he says, well, I just give glory to God because, you know, Christ strengthens me to do anything and everything. I'm like, I don't think Jesus cares a whit how many touchdowns you make. That's a horrible, you know, misquoting of that scripture. Paul's intent was to say to us that Christ will give us strength and power in all situations so that we can still be content whether we have a lot or whether we have nothing. We can still be content because Christ is going to give us the power. And when it comes to contentment, you can handle any situation. Because like a well-prepared city that's under siege, you have the living water rising up from inside of you, providing you whatever you need to face the challenges each day is going to bring. Christ Christ will give you strength. And because you have His priorities, you also end up with a better understanding of what's truly important in life. You're empowered by God to live the Christian life no matter what the circumstances. See, Paul saying, I can face wealth poverty, everything in between. And I can still serve and please Jesus because He gives me the power to do so no matter what's going on around me. Now, if you want to be content, people, be satisfied with Jesus. Be satisfied with Jesus. Because then by His grace, you'll be able to do all that He calls you to do. And you won't be all caught up in temporal matters, but your eyes will be fixed on Him and what He's doing in this world. And you'll be able to say with the songwriter, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. People think about where Paul was, when he wrote this letter to Philippians? Where was he? Remember? Yeah, he's in prison! A prison cell! Now I worked as a year in a medium security prison in Illinois as part of my clinical pastoral education and I want you to know Paul's prison was nothing like that. It was dark Definitely cold in the winter, it was sweltering in the summer, disease and rats were his close companions, food was scarce and there were no bathrooms. Survival was an everyday issue. Now, given those same conditions, I think any modern day prisoner would sue the socks, alright, off the US government, get the ACLU involved, alright, because of how horrible it is on them. Paul's not some rich, fortunate man just telling these poor Philippians, oh, just be content. He's not patronizing them. This is a man who knew the painful reality of what it was like to be low, he knew what it was to hunger. Paul knew what it was to be humiliated. This isn't pie in the sky instruction. This is real talk from a real man who endured real suffering. And yet in the midst of it, he could say, I've learned to be content. I think he's earned our hearing, don't you? I think there's juice to what he has to say. And when you understand the secret of contentment, it's in the person of Jesus Christ, not in things, and you really are able to live that way, it will change how you experience life. First thing is you will become more grateful. Because it's impossible to develop contentment without gratitude. Those things are just inseparable. A grateful person is one who has learned to focus in on all of the good things that are in his life and not on the things that he lacks. So when you are starting to feel ungrateful and discontent, starting to creep in, all I want you to do, people, is just stop... Get out a pen and paper and just start making a list of all the things that you should be grateful for. And you know what? You don't even have to finish the list. Because before you do, you realize how blessed you are. You'll be back on track. When you learn contentment, you break the habit of trying to satisfy discontentment with buying something. My middle son, Aaron, gave me permission to use this illustration because he jokes with his wife how he has learned this about himself, that when he's feeling frustrated or his self-esteem is really low, he begins to surf Amazon, you know, looking for something to buy. And he isn't even looking for something specific, you know. He just needs to buy something. And usually it's something weird, all right. Something unusual, you know. Some weird new card game to play or some odd homebrew brand of root beer or something, you know. Doesn't really matter. He just feels this need. I got to buy something and that'll fix it. So he's learned to recognize when he's in one of those moods and that buying something isn't the solution it's it's getting back on focus with jesus and so what he'll do is he'll he'll joke with his wife wendy and he'll kind of just communicate where he's at and he'll just say hey my light is flashing like crazy today and what he means by that it's like he's got this neon light going on in his head and it's saying buy something buy something buy something you know and you'll feel better if you do that But Paul's taught us that material possessions never really fully satisfy the desires of our heart. What's really of supreme importance and the source of all contentment is Jesus. Consider everything else as garbage for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And when you learn contentment, you'll stop comparing yourself to other people. Comparing your life to someone else's life almost always will lead you to a state of discontentment. And have you ever noticed that when we're comparing what we have against others, that we almost always pick somebody to compare that has more than we do? You know, so if we're feeling sorry for ourselves and we're feeling deprived, we always pick out that family that has more. They have nicer cars, a bigger house, fancier clothes, and uh, let me get down to the dumps. People, there's always going to be those who appear to be better off than you and seemingly living the perfect life. But as someone who's a counselor, I see people from all walks of life, and I hear what goes on behind closed doors. And I want you to know, (laughs) their life is never as perfect as your mind makes it out to be. Contentedness in Christ allows you to face anything From a standpoint of victory, I want to tell you about Margaret. Margaret was in the hospital, and she had terminal throat cancer. And so well-meaning friends from the church would go in to visit her, and they would try to cheer her up, but they, they just were saying all the wrong things, all right? I mean, well-meaning, but just saying all the wrong things. And so finally, Margaret just gets frustrated with this. And even though she can't talk because of the throat cancer, she writes out this little message and she gives it to everyone after they're done. And here's what it said. She says, quote, This is not the worst thing to ever happen. Cancer is so limited. It cannot cripple love, shatter hope, corrode faith, eat away peace, destroy confidence, kill friendship, shut out memories, silence courage, quench the spirit, or lessen the power of Jesus. Unquote. Man, Margaret found contentedness and joy in Jesus. And even cancer couldn't take that away wow don't you want that kind of contentedness people don't you want that to be your story And you might be saying wow Gary that sounds great I just don't have it how do I get it I'm glad you asked believe it or not it's really simple My youngest son just finished a half marathon in St. Louis. He's 39 years old. And he finished 34th out of 10,000, which is pretty good for a guy getting up in age. (laughs) Funny from our standpoint, isn't it? But how does he do that? He runs five days a week. People, if you want to run a marathon, all right, you don't train for it by sitting in a hot tub reading the newspaper. (laughs) Running a marathon is difficult. A passive approach is not going to yield the prize. You don't get there sitting in a lawn swing yawning with your eyes half closed. If you want to obtain the joys of a contented life, people, sustained intentional effort is going to be required. You have to make it your goal. Then you also have to be willing to pay the price. The Apostle Paul had to practice it, grow in it, nurture it, and finally learn it. And we have to learn it the same way that Paul did. Minute by minute, thought by thought, experience by experience, and to have our hearts changed into the image of Christ. And I guarantee contentment is the result. William Randolph Hearst was a collector of rare art treasures. And he came across, he heard about this one very rare, you know, uh, piece of art, and he just became consumed with it, and he had to have it, and he couldn't find it anywhere, so he hired a professional detective, and after months and months of searching, the detective finally showed up, and he told him, I found it, and Hurst is excited, he says, great, how much is it? Where is it? And he said, it's in one of your warehouses. <laughs> the treasure he desired the most was already in his possession. Brothers and sisters, if contentment is what you seek, you already possess The secret of it. Because it is Christ. Just utilize it.